Well, I hope you're enjoying this series this summer. We've been going through uh, the book of Philippians, and believe it or not, we're right in the middle of the summer. We're about uh, three or four weeks away from the end of this series, and and uh, it won't be long before our kids are all going back to school. And uh, some of you parents, you're excited about that, actually, because you're like, wow, can you get these guys out of my hair? Because it's been a long, a long summer. We don't feel that way, but maybe some of you guys do. But uh, hey, I was talking to uh, Rob this week. And he had commitments last week, had to be at another uh, church. He said, he's talking to Josh and I this week. He said, I just really missed you guys this week at Axis. And I hope that as you're traveling and moving around this summer and doing all those things that you do for vacation, that you've had that same feeling. I mean, I do. And uh, I love being with you guys. I love worshiping with you guys. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. So it's good to see everybody this morning and uh, glad, glad you guys are here. Uh, tonight, if you are interested in learning more about this, uh, this fall new worship venue that we're doing over here in the other room, it'll be a Sunday night venue uh, that we're going to be leading called Project 215, based on Philippians 215, that we would shine like stars in the universe in this crooked and depraved generation. Uh, we are having our next uh, gathering for that uh, tonight, kind of a learning gathering, kind of an opportunity to plan for this. So I want to encourage you guys, uh, if you want to come for that, you can, and there is child care available uh, tonight. Uh, you guys know that my dad loved old cars. I mean, he loved his God, he loved his wife, he loved his kids, and he loved old cars, all right? So this was a, a passion of his, and he grew up loving old cars. Now, his favorite place to buy old cars was in the South, right? Uh, because in the South, you don't have all the rust that you have from up here and all the salt that we have. And, and uh, Dad would go to North Carolina or Tennessee, and he would find a car, and he would buy it. He'd bring it back. And we bought some, uh, he bought some interesting cars in different places. Uh, but one of the most interesting, we were traveling down the highway one day, and uh, we were traveling back from North Carolina, and there's a car, and I don't remember what it was. He would, but uh, it, was, it was right beside us on the highway. It had a for sale sign in it. Dad's like, ooh, that's a nice car. He said, open up your window, Stephen. He said, let's ask them how much they want for it. I mean, just imagine this on the highway, all right? Here we are. <laughs> We're driving down the highway. I rolled out my window. I'm like, hey, hey. The guy's like, what? You know, I'm like, hey. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to cause any problems. What do you want for it? What do I want for what? What do you want for your car? He's like, well, he throws out a number. So we pull over, and my dad goes to this small town on a Saturday where no bank was open and somehow is able to finagle this thing, buys this car, and drives it back home. This is just uh, what, what he did. Now, one of our favorite stories to tell about my dad happened in North Carolina several years ago when he bought a 1963 Chevy pickup truck, and it didn't drive, so he put a tow bar on the back of his vehicle, and he picked up that truck, and he was going to bring it back to Ohio. It was just him and mom at that time uh, in the car. So he gets to a stoplight in North Carolina. It's a busy intersection, and when he stops, suddenly a tire comes rolling by, and he thinks, oh, no. That's the spare tire that was on the bed of that truck. And so he, he gets out of his car, and he runs across the intersection, grabs his spare tire, picks it up, throws it back into the back of the truck, and then he gets in. Now, the light turns green. He's feeling like mission accomplished, right? Got the tire back in. The light turns green, and suddenly the guy in front of him will not move. And he's getting a little bit impatient and a little bit irritated. And he's like, come on, why won't this guy in front of me go? Doesn't he see that the, uh, the, 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 the light is green? And just as he gets ready to honk his horn, it dawns on him. He had gotten out of his vehicle, 
got that tire and gotten back into the vehicle that he was towing. And, and here he was sitting there in a car that doesn't actually run. The entire, he looks around and notices that no one at the intersection had moved at all. Everybody's just looking to see what is this guy going to do next. He gets out of the car. He kind of walks up. He gets back in the van, which he notices my mom had been reading the entire time, was totally oblivious to anything that had just happened. And he said it took him several blocks before he finally admitted what had just happened and, uh, to him. You know, one of our, uh, it's, it's such an amazing thing when you think about the Christian life. The Bible says that we have an opportunity to get into something new. In fact, it says the old is gone, the new has come. But I really have a feeling that when I watch Christians uh, across the years and, and uh, sometimes in our own lives, when we watch what happens, oftentimes we find ourselves cruising along pretty well in the Christian life. We are interested in life transformation. We're committed to having a, a, a well-tuned engine for Christ. But the problem is, for a lot of us, we like to keep the old jalopy, the old life, with us. We like to keep the old way of life close behind. We don't want to lose that. We want all the blessings, promises, promises benefits, and, and, and assurances that come with the newer model, this Christian way of life. But it's pretty secure to, to have that old way of life sitting with us behind. It's comfortable. It's broken in. It's a classic. And what happens is sometimes something catches our eye from the old way of life. We run after it. And then we find ourselves moving back into that old jalopy, unrepentant uh, life that we had before. And what, what I really believe that God is calling us to is to live a new life where we have fully embraced the way of Christ. Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So rather than moving back into that old way of life and constantly kind of gravitating toward that old sinful kind of uh, hab habitual kind of life, instead we have to put our mind and thoughts on this new way uh, of living with Christ. So what I want to do is go into the book of Philippians and talk to you about how do you stay on track when you accept Christ, when you say yes to him, how do you stay on track? And I think these verses in verse 8 and 9 are really key for that. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right or whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And in these verses, verse 8 and 9, we see what it means to kind of get our mind right uh, in Christ. How do we stay in this new life over the long haul? You know, friends, I've learned this. What, you become what you think about. Do you realize that? You become what you think about. The primary battles that we all face, the primary temptation in the struggle between living in the new life cruising with Christ or towing and living in that old comfortable way is a battle that is primarily waged in the mind. 
That's why the, con- the devil constantly bombards us with propaganda. He continually is sending us images rolling by that might entice us to hop out of this Christian drive. Friends, the thought life is the entrance. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we are to be transformed by what? By the renewing of our mind. Paul realizes the secret to overcoming the temptation to leaving this way of Christ or to getting back in our old life, the temptation, how do we get over it? We guard our thought life. Evil desires take us into sin. Every theft was first a theft in the mind. Every act of sexual impurity was first the thought. Every lie that falls from the lips was first in the mind. Every bit of criticism or complaining or slander or envying that comes forth in a lifestyle was first in your mind. The old poem reads, So a thought reap a deed, so a deed reap a habit, so a habit reap a character, so a character reap a destiny. But it all begins with the sowing of a thought. And the Apostle Paul is very clear here that success in the Christian life begins with the thought life. You are in this life what you think about. Don't believe me? Read Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. And the fact that this is so often neglected is almost shocking. The kind of nonchalance that we have about our thought life is almost staggering. We see it in our own lives, and we know that every area in our life that we struggle, it begins in the mind. What you feed in your mind is what is going to come out in your life. Psychologist Arch Hart writes this. Research research has shown that one's thought life influences every aspect of one's being. Kind people are simply the type of people who habitually tend to think kind thoughts. Angry people are simply the kind of people who habitually tend to think thoughts that breed resentment and hostility. So I'm just asking you today to think about what you think about. What kind of thoughts are in your mind today? What kind of thoughts are you putting in there? And I want to encourage you today to fill your mind up with thoughts of Christ. Fill your mind up with worship. Take the negative thoughts in your life and replace them with positive things. And if you think you find yourself thinking negative things, make a conscious choice to think about the positive. If you have a dishonest thought, make a conscious choice to think about what's true. If you have an impure thought, make a conscious choice to think about what's pure. It is really powerful. If you just begin to think about those positive things in your life, Because every one of us has a choice. Is that true? We could choose the negative or we could choose the positive. We could choose the things of Christ or we could choose the things of the world. We could choose the new way of life or we could choose the old way of life. That's why I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And uh, I want to read this together. You ready? We take every thought captive. Here we go. Let's read it out loud. We take every thought captive to make obedient to Christ. I love that verse. We take every thought, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So the first thing is that you are what you think about. The second thing is you think about what you're exposed to. Verse 9 says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me. In other words, he says, whatever you have put in your mind, that's what's going to come out in your mind. The product, we are products not only of what we think about, we are products of what we are exposed to. 
And, and again, we disregard this with a kind of nonchalance. We don't really think so much about what we put into our mind. We don't always guard our mind. Paul instructs us to not only right thinking, but right learning. He's talking about what you put into your mind. And the amazing and unbelievable thing is we think we can live this well-oiled, high-octane Christian life when constantly we put in that cheap, low-grade fuel in our gas tank. In other words, we keep putting stuff in our mind, and we think it's not going to make a difference. But it does. Think about it for a minute. If you were going to if you were to get the greatest performance car in the world, decide that you're going to take a serious run at the Indy 500 and dedicate yourself to winning it, what are the odds that if you fill that with this unleaded, low-octane gasoline from a thrifty discount service station, what are the odds that you're going to win the Indy 500? Not very good. Because you are what you put in you. So here's my question. What are you putting into your mind on a regular basis? What music are you listening to? What kind of television show are you watching? What kind of movies are you going to? What kind of stories are you reading? What kind of novel? What kind of magazines do your eyes fall upon? What kind of fantasies do you enjoy in the chambers of your imagery? What kind of dreams are you dreaming? What kind of friends are you associating with? The Apostle Paul is very clear that what enters your mind repeatedly occupies your mind is what is going to come out in your life and it is what you are exposing yourself to. And again, it astounds me how often people think or live as if they can get away with putting things in their mind and believe that it's not going to affect them. People say things like, I I can read this. I can watch this. I can listen to these twisted words. They're not going to affect me. I'm not really paying attention. It just goes in one ear and out the other. Friends, the scripture is clear that doesn't work. Social sciences are now coming to realize that the writers of scriptures have known all along that it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. What you put in your mind is going to come out in your life. You might have a teenage girl looking at enough magazine covers featuring enough models that are paid outrageous sums of money to make themselves unnaturally thin, and these models get interviewed and quoted as if they are the experts on what it means to be desirable and make life worth living. And if you do that long enough, you will raise a generation of young women whose minds are constantly filled with thoughts, I'm not thin enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not desirable enough, I will never be wanted enough, I will never be loved enough. And their feelings of self-esteem are based on what they have put into their mind. And friends, we are producing a generation of young women like that. And I want to be as clear as I can be on this. The events you attend, the materials you read, the music you listen to, the images you see, the conversations you hold, that is what is at stake here. It ultimately will lead to your destiny. And friends, we live in a world that is just producing a certain kind of mind. Look at the minds around you today, the fruit of people's lives, anxious minds, depressed minds, angry, violent thoughts, minds that are obsessed with sexual material, minds that are consumed by jealousy or bitterness or fear or self-absorption or material acquisition. Friends, what you put in your mind will be what you think about. We are flooded today with sexual images from scenes and when you are in airplane terminals or 
on magazine covers or online, sexually explicit messages and images are sent not just to adults who ask for them, not just to teenagers, but to children who sit in front of a computer screen or have future, virtually no chance to protect themselves, who don't even know what they're getting into. And they are bombarded with this stuff all the time. And then we profess to be surprised when promiscuity goes up or sexual addictions become rampant or marital infidelity goes way up and stability in marriages goes down. Friends, the mind will think about what it absorbs and it will absorb whatever it has been exposed to. And friends, you are not immune to this law. You are not. It astounds me how often people think or live as if they can get away with violating the law of exposure, that what you expose your mind to is the very thing that you will think about, and if you're not careful, it will be who you are. Friends, you have to be careful what you put in your mind today. You have to be careful what you're exposing yourself to. You have to think all the time and be on guard. The Bible says guard your uh, thought life. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Leroy Elms tells of a time when his family was driving through South Florida. As far as the eye could see, they saw orange trees loaded with fruit. And so when he stopped at breakfast, he ordered some fresh orange juice along with his eggs. And the waitress said, I'm sorry, sir, but we are all out of orange juice. Now, he looked around and thought, this is crazy. We are surrounded by millions of oranges. We are literally in the land of oranges. And he said, I knew they had oranges in the kitchen because orange slices garnished our plates. The problem wasn't that there wasn't any orange juice. The problem was they had become dependent upon a machine to get it. And when the machine broke down, they didn't even consider squeezing the oranges by hand. And Elms wrote, wrote this. Christians are sometimes like that. They are surrounded by Bibles in their home. But if something should happen to the Sunday morning preaching service, they would have no nourishment for their souls. The problem is not a lack of spiritual food, he adds, but that many Christians haven't grown enough to get the food for themselves. Take the initiative to instead of thinking about the things of the world and filling your mind with social media, fill your mind with worship. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Fill your mind with those positive images, and it will make a difference in who you are and your character. You cannot avoid the law of exposure. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about today? Yeah? You can't avoid it. And one more thing. What you think about, well, that's what you're going to be. What you're exposed to, that's what you're going to think about. And I want to tell you this, that your actions, what comes out in your life, actually reveal and reinforce your thought life. Here's what I mean by that. Paul says in verse 9 that all these things he just mentioned to think about, all of what the Philippians have learned or received, or he said, I want you to take all these positive images in your mind, and I want you to put them into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's not just that we think about it. It's not just what we're exposed to. It's are you practicing or acting on the things that you put in your mind? And it's not just here in the Scripture. We see this in other places. Look at James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Here's another one. Matthew 4, the words of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall 
because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, listen to this, friends, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against it, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is concerned that what you think about, you do. Not just say it. Paul is concerned with the same thing, life transformation, concerned that you do fully embrace this new way of life. He wants lives to be changed. And friends, that's the same thing we want as a church. When we first started Access Church, we said, what do we want to be about? Well, we want to tag in on that idea in the scripture. And, and actually that, that same, even the title of our church, Access, that we would revolve the world around Jesus one life at a time. That one life at a time, one generation at a time, one person at a time, one family at a time, one community at a time would be changed and would be transformed. That we're not just doing church, that we are experiencing life together so that we would be different. So that bad relationships would turn good, so that bitter hearts would be changed to soft hearts, so that self-centered people would be servant people, so that hopeless people would have and find a ray of hope. We... Paul wants real change, so do we. Not just outward appearances, but inward change. I told you dad loved cars, and uh, the truth is he could do some mechanics. But mostly he, he, uh, he really was good at the body work. A lot of times he would send the mechanical work out to somebody else. And so when we grew up, we actually knew how to uh, sand out the, the paint and get it ready, to put a little Bondo into a dent, and, and, and you could really make that car look great on the outside. I learned some life lessons through that. I learned you can make an old junker look pretty good on the outside. I learned that doing body work, body work is important. But the people generally don't buy cars that look good but don't run. Uh, I learned that getting rid of rust is a continual process. It's not just one time and you're done. You have to keep working on it. And friends, here's my concern. I think many of us spend a lot of time working on the outside, but not a lot of time working on the inside. Soul nourishment. We spend hours looking good and uh, not always a lot of hours developing the inner person. And friends, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have a lot of things going on in our lives. We're busy and we're exhausted. And I wonder if we're focused on really nourishing the inside. Because right living is an outgrowth of right thinking, right exposure. What's on the inside is going to come out in your life. That's why I, I like what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15, that it begins with, in your heart, setting apart Christ as Lord. That's where it begins. Setting apart in your heart Christ as Lord. When He is in your heart, and the more that you fill yourself up with the things of God, as the old song we used to sing, the more that the things of this world will grow strangely dim because you filled up your life with the things of God. I'm just asking you to do a little assessment today. How am I doing on my thought life? How am I doing on exposing myself to those things that will bring about positive results in my life? Am I spending time with positive people that are Christian people, that are not negative, that are loving Christ? Am I spending time in worship? Am I committing myself to be here on a regular basis? Am I involved in a community group where I'm getting encouragement from other believers? 
am I listening to music that would bring about positive things in my life? Or am I listening to music that would kind of change or alter that course? When I'm gaming, am I playing games uh, online or, or on, on my uh, Xbox One that would bring about good things out of my life? Or are they bringing about negative behaviors in my life? You think about it. And friends, the longer that you live in this Christian life, the, the sweeter you should be, the kinder you should be. All of that should be out of a life that is filled with and exposed to Christ. You know, um, our family owns a nursing home in North Carolina that my grandparents started back in the 60s. Uh, over the years in this nursing home, uh, all of us learned some things about hard work and all that because uh, we mowed the lawn and uh, we cleaned uh, the halls and some were involved in the kitchen duty and I mean, we were involved with the nursing home as kids, and uh, we, uh, our family still owns that home uh, today, and, but from the very beginning, despite all the work, it's always been about the people. It's always been about how do we care for people in the later years of their life, and every year we have a director's meeting where all the grandkids go, and we all go down there. We're the directors of the home, and it's a whirlwind trip. We leave on Friday. We generally have dinner. Uh, there and then we have our meeting and then on Saturday we're heading right back up here again and uh, a few years ago I remember before the meeting in North Carolina on a Friday night <laughs> I sat down at the piano in a living room there at the nursing home and I just started to play a little things that I could remember things I could play by heart and as I played I noticed a little lady across the room in the dining room and she took an interest in the plane and she started walking my way and I started to play this, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Onward, Christian soldiers, how great thou art. All hail the power of Jesus' name. And this little lady came up. She was an Alzheimer's patient. I could tell because everything was neat. It's so neat. I could tell because she kept saying, God bless you. God bless you. I could really tell because after every song, sometimes after every verse, she'd give me a kiss on the cheek. And before she walked away to go to dinner, she kissed my cheek again, put her arm, arm around me. She had been singing those songs along with me. She said, God bless you, honey. Your playing was lovely, lovely. God bless you. God bless you. Now, the reality is with this resident, she probably doesn't remember too much of that encounter. But it's something I won't forget. Amazing. Here's a lady that will struggle to remember what happened yesterday, but she remembers the words of those songs. That comes out of a life of living and thinking excellent thoughts. Because she has put in her mind over the years the things of Christ, that is what comes out in her life, even in these later years in her life. And I'm just asking you, those of you who have started cruising with Christ, those of you who have said, I want this new life in Christ, those of you who said, I want to live the life that Christ wants me to, how will you make it the long way? How will you make it the long haul? I can tell you this, it's a lot about what you think about. It's a lot about what you expose yourself to. Those things will come out of your life over the long haul. You cannot avoid it. Bad thinking leads to bad acting. Good, positive thinking, things of Christ, lives to a, leads to a life that, that focuses on and commits to Christ. So we're going to spend just a couple moments here. Sherry's going to play. 
I want you to spend some time just in some quiet prayer here today at the end. And I want you to do some serious evaluation of what you put in your mind. What are you exposing yourself to? Is there a game that you're playing that you need to trash, throw away? Is there some music that you're hearing that you need to get rid of? Is there some, um, some online security that you need to provide to an accountability partner so that you don't go wandering in the places you should not go? Is there a, some movies that you should commit to as a family? We're not going to watch these movies anymore. And what I've learned is when you speak it out loud, there is something about the power of speaking something that keeps you accountable. So find somebody. Say it to your kids. Say it out loud. Hey, we're not going to watch this anymore. I really made a commitment. Now, if you make that commitment, you better stick with it because your kids are going to be watching you. Um, stick with it. Speak it out loud to an accountability partner. Say, hey, you know what? I've decided I, I'm not really, I don't need to be filling my mind with this stuff anymore. So we're just going to spend a couple moments in quiet prayer. And If you have anything like that, anything that is um, taking you away from Christ, that you would just be honest with the Lord and maybe he would reveal to you in these moments something you need to, to get rid of. Or maybe you need to add something. Maybe there's something positive that God would bring to your mind that you need more of. More community, more scripture. What is it? All right, let's, let's bow our heads. God, I want to be a faithful follower. I want to be somebody that is worth following. God, I thank you for giving me a, a background and, and a family who encouraged faith. And God, I thank you for the mid-course corrections I've had to make over the years to keep my mind attentive to Christ. God, I pray for that same thing for people here. That they would turn their mind to the positive. That they turn their mind toward Christ. They turn their mind toward whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, or whatever is praiseworthy. That they would think about those things. And whatever they have learned, that they would put it into practice so that the God of peace, the God of peace will be on them all. And we pray this in the name of Christ. The name of Jesus, who, who knew the power of putting things in his mind. The power of meditating. The power of stepping away out of a busy life to pray. The power of positivity. The power of of putting that scripture in his mind. And if Jesus Christ needed those things in his life, how much more do we need it? We pray it in, in the name of our example, Jesus. Amen.